Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. Um, Sharon is not with us today. She's on vacation. So I have the pleasure of introducing our guest. But before we do, I want to let you know a couple of things. Um, as some of you know, I am the author of The Hat That Saved My Life, which was based on a really cute little hat that I was given 23 years ago. In fact, today is my anniversary of my uh, first diagnosis, I, it's kind of funny, you know, there's a lot of things I can't remember in my life, probably from all the chemotherapy I've had over these uh, last 23 years, because I'm in my fifth battle right now. Um, but for some reason, that's a date that will live with me forever. I remember the date. I remember the moment. It was April 24th, 1996, when I went to, for my routine mammogram and found out that day that I had breast cancer. So it's it's kind of been an interesting um, thing that we do that. But what I wanted to really talk about a little bit is, you know, I am in my fifth battle, and this time it is um, metastatic. It's in my the lining of my lung, and it's been kind of progressing over the last few months. But, um, you know, it, it's it's really hard for me to give up hope, and I don't intend to. When people meet me, they tell me, wow, you look so great. You're really strong, and you're really you know, doing such a great job fighting all this, and you'd never know you were even sick. Well, you know, it is kind of an interesting place to be considering where I've been in the past. You know, when you're going through different stages of breast cancer, you are on chemotherapy and there's telltale signs, you know, you, you lose your hair, you might be sick from smells and you just feel that way. But when you have metastatic breast cancer, a lot of times the drugs that they put you on don't have those side effects. And I'm very thankful for that. But the fact is they still can wipe you out and make you feel um, very tired and, and while people tell me that I'm strong and I'm a fighter and I look great and I'm, I appreciate that so much, sometimes I don't feel that way. And as cancer survivors, I think we need to give ourselves permission sometimes to not feel that way. And sometimes that means taking naps in the middle of the day, learning to say no to things when you're just feeling very exhausted. So I wanted to share that little part of my message with you before I bring on our guest. And um, one thing I do want to add to this is I am on plan B now of my trial. Plan A didn't go as well as we'd hoped. Um, Plan B is uh, the next stage of the trial, but I always have plan C. And for me, um, plan C is Christ. I have a lot of people praying for me and I do believe in miracles and I'm trusting that God's going to give me one. So um, all of that said, now I have the pleasure of introducing our guest, and today we're going to talk about massage, stress, and breast cancer with our guest, Jackie Gethner. Jackie has been a certified and licensed massage therapist since 1988, and she received her training in Boulder, Colorado. Her work with the only complementary Western Medicine AIDS conference in the subsequent years has brought her work nationally and internationally, working with diverse populations dealing with prevention, medical adherence, end-of-life issues, and working with families and support systems has allowed her to work with other families and individuals with cancer, Parkinson's, and other um, diseases. Jackie lives in Portland, Oregon, where she was a private practice um, practitioner. In 2009, Jackie was awarded the Kaiser Permanente National Diversity Award for her work in HIV and AIDS. She used that award to create her nonprofit, Women of a Certain Age, that we will hear about at the end of the program. So with that, welcome Jackie. Thank you. Thanks for being on our show today. Um, So Jackie, we've known you for a long time. You know, you've kind of kind of been in and out of our circle of of things that we do. So why don't you take a minute and let our audience get to know you by just introducing yourself and tell us a bit about yourself, you know, your family, hobbies, whatever. Okay, great. So I am 69 years old. I've lived in Portland for 30 years. I have a son who lives in Oakland and two grandkids. Um, Love big 
Love grandbabies. They're the best. Love those grandbabies. <laughs> those are the things when you're not feeling well that yeah. are very helpful for you also. I am also, and I think this is important to talk about, uh, a, a, a hepatitis C survivor. I've had hepatitis C half my life. Um, I got infected in a hospital where I was saving someone's life, and I had to wait until I was 65 to be treated. So I'm very used to a lot of the, not a lot of the side effects that breast cancer survivors deal with, but definitely the fatigue. I was like seeing clients sleeping for an hour, seeing clients sleeping for an hour. So fatigue and side effects are something that I'm not unfamiliar with. Also, Sorry. Jackie, let me ask you a quick question. Why mm-hmm. did you have to wait till you were 65 to um, get treated mm-hmm. for that? Because in the state of Oregon, we are not treating people until they go into Medicare. And then all of a sudden, there seems to be a magic door that's opened. Oh, interesting. But we are, that. yes, but we are working within the state of Oregon. I sit on the Viral Hepatitis uh, Consortium ah. that is working to try to make hepatitis C treatment available for everyone no matter where they are and how old they are in the state. I have to ask you another question. I don't know if you're moving things around there in front of you, but we can hear everything. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting very still in my chair. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what that is. It sounds like papers and things sliding around on your desk. Oh, but, okay. But, so we can hear everything. So just kind of okay. know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I can't really tell you that, so uh, that, <laughs> so I no, just did okay. it on the air. Hello, everybody. Oh, that's yes. fine. That's fine. I'm just so, sitting uh, here. Okay. Well, let me ask you, um, why don't you talk about the awards that you received for the work that you did in HIV AIDS? Because when I read that, I was pretty impressed with that. So why don't you talk about that for a moment? Because I know it led to your nonprofit that, again, we'll talk about toward the end. But, but sure. tell us about those awards and what that work was like. Well, my oldest girlfriend died from HIV after being infected um, from uh, taking dilatids for 20 years after a car accident, which is not an unfamiliar scenario that we see today. And I didn't know very much about HIV and AIDS, and I was in massage school. I lived in Boulder, Colorado at the time. And that's where this very incredible conference was first started called AIDS Medicine and Miracles and is pretty much the only holistic and Western medicine AIDS conference in the United States. So this we're talking about 1987 at this mm-hmm. point. And at that point, nobody touched anybody with HIV. I, I mean, remember even, that. Yeah. even doctors and nurses and family members, you know, just disappeared. So I thought it was really important being in massage school that people be touched and That started my work in HIV and AIDS. We did on-site massage at the back of the conference, and people literally hadn't been touched in a long period of time and just fell out, and I saw how important that was. However, at that point in the HIV epidemic, everyone was dying, and family and support people, family of choice, didn't know how to support people um, with this disease because they were just dying so quickly. So I decided that it was more important that I teach them how to touch people with HIV, especially as they were dying, so that it would help both the support person's um, grief process, but also let that person that was dying know that they were not alone. You know, that is that is so powerful. And I'm, I'm really thankful that you did that because I remember when that, I think we all do if we were adults at that period, but in the early 80s when AIDS kind of first made the headlines, people were afraid um, to touch anyone, be around anyone, and not realizing how it was actually transmitted. And, you know, that lack of knowledge, it, it, it was just it was really scary. So for you to be able to recognize and cross over into not only recognizing it, but actually touching people and communicating that message. I mean, that's, that's really powerful. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit when um, Sharon and I were doing some work in the prison, the women's, the women's prison here in Oregon, we were going, we've been down there for 12 years. We've taken some time off this year because of what I'm going through at the moment. But um we had a lot of women in the very beginning when we first started going there that were battling cancer. And what they were telling us is that their friends who they would sit out with in, you know, in the uh, community rooms and whatnot, they wouldn't sit with them anymore and they wouldn't get close and talk to them because they were afraid that cancer was contagious and that they could get cancer by just being around somebody near somebody. You know, it's just lack of, of information is, 
really harmful, you know. So that was one of our first goals was to kind of straighten that message out. And, and that wasn't even AIDS. That was, that was cancer. So we've, we were able to kind of resolve that, that little dilemma. <laughs> but, right, right. And I worked down in the prisons in Oregon, too, because they wanted to know how they could support people living that were incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And so I have did about four or five years down at OSP, um, providing mm-hmm. that education also. And, of course, people with HIV would not come to the workshops that I presented. It was their cellmates or other friends of theirs. But everyone started to treat people with other serious illnesses a lot differently as a result of my work there. So, yes, it, it, it's but it's interesting how people stay away yeah. and they don't know what to do. And I think that that there's this very, very unconscious belief that they're going to catch this somehow, yeah. whether it be cancer, or HIV, Parkinson's, whatever, because there's no knowledge. Yeah. That's right. And it doesn't mean a person is stupid. It just means that they're they're ignorant of those facts and, and uneducated about those facts. And so it's nice that you're doing that. And that's really why we have our radio show, too, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of myths out there around any kind of disease. And so our goal is to try to clear up some of those myths and keep people moving forward and and being willing to offer that support. So, so that is then how you got into this line of work that you're in dealing with massage and stress. Right. Or, Okay, so tell us a little bit about how you transitioned into that kind of work and and the effects that you've seen as a result. So in in so based on the experience that I had working in the HIV community, I mean there's so many different diseases and we are very very slowly looking at more preventative kinds of behaviors that maybe will limit some of these diseases from becoming part of our life. Mm-hmm. But what I but what I realized that is that even with people with cancer, I mean there are times when pan- cancer patients don't want to eat. They don't want, you know, they just don't want to be bothered with a lot of things that you would maybe do for somebody who had the flu or just wasn't feeling well. And so I really felt that it was really important that they were offered opportunities to do things that would be more helpful and maybe take away, especially with women that have children with breast cancer, they're always feeling like, oh, my daughter's hair doesn't look quite right, or (laughs) she shouldn't be wearing this outfit today, and if I was out of bed, I'd be able to, you know what I'm talking about? I do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think it's really important that... um, we offer other kinds of options. Like one of the things that I like to do is teach families, teach kids and families how to massage mom's hands and feet. Um, and, and so that they can have an active part in mom's recovery. You oh, know, mom, nice. mom yeah. might not be up for playing computer games or coloring or whatever other activity, but mom's always like a good foot massage and a good hand <laughs> massage. Boy, no kidding. I, I mean, I, I'm not much of a massage girl myself because I have a real hard time relaxing, even in the best of circumstances. Laying on a table, mostly naked, relaxing is just not in the cards for me. But a good hand massage, a good foot massage, oh my gosh, that's like heaven on earth. So so that is a simple thing that children can do for their, their mom who's going through cancer. And it's very, very relaxing. So let me ask you before we go out to break, we've got about three or four minutes here. Um, Is there a magic bullet to help us relieve stress in our lives? Because we all know stress is bad for us and kind of helps feed that cancer problem. So what's the magic bullet? Is there one? Well, I don't know that there's a magic bullet, but there are a lot of things to do. I think breathing, as simple as that whole concept is, and everybody else always tells you to breathe, but it's like people tell you to relax. That's the, that's the opposite of what you're going to end up doing. <laughs> so I, what I find is that when I just start breathing with somebody, mm-hmm. they'll start breathing. Yeah. You know, um, But when we're in pain, we're in fear, or we're paying attention to something, we just hold our breath. So one of the things that I hand out all the time are these sheets of paper that have breathe written all over and you just cut them up and you post them everywhere. It takes three weeks to make or break a habit that's not an addiction. So you start breathing more, your body will warm up more, your circulation will get better even if you're in bed. Um, It'll help you sleep better. It'll help you digest your food better. It just works all the way around. 
You know, it kind of reminds me when I had, I have five kids and I gave birth to each one of them naturally. And I didn't expect to do that the first time, but we just kind of ran out of time. There she was, you know. <laughs> so, but I did take all those classes that you take on learning to breathe sure. through the pain. And I didn't realize um, really what they're doing is giving you an alternative to not breathing, an alternative to yelling and screaming. So, <laughs> you know, but breathing was really important and it kind of does give you an alternative if you just learn that deep breathing technique and breathing is much more comforting than any of those other things that you can do and not breathing is certainly not an acceptable option so <laughs> no. so let me ask you what about people who live a long distance so you know they can't come and massage your hands and your feet are there options for them for those people who want to be supportive but can't be there in person to physically help I think It's always nice in this day of emails and stuff to get a a handwritten card. Um, One of the things I've been doing just in terms of birthdays, not in terms of these kinds of issues, but is I've been going through my pictures and, you know, you you have so many pictures from the old days. Mm -hmm. And I pick out pictures for birthday cards or whatever, and it would work perfect for this. Remember the time when we went to so-and-so-and-so? This was so lovely. I'm hoping we can go again soon. You know, just those little things that take five minutes really to do, but they make a lot of difference. Yeah, they do. They do. I think that's something that this generation is kind of missing out on. You know, every everything is done digitally. They don't even print pictures anymore. My husband and I have boxes and boxes of photos that just, you know, they just, they're kind of nice to have. <laughs> but They are. And, yeah, and they're fun to go back and look at them. I mean, how long, how often do you transfer your photos? If I mean, it's just hard to really keep everything. But um, so we're, we are going to go out to break. And But I have, do have one question that involves self-care that we're going to pick up on the other side of this conversation. So um, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about stress management, massage, and cancer with our guest, Jackie Gethner. So before we went out to break, we were talking about the importance of support, and we kind of didn't quite get to the part about self-care. So Jackie, I'd really love to pick that conversation back up. So let's talk about how others affect our self-care and what, what can we do for ourselves also to you know, improve the situation. 
So one of the things that I feel is very important and very easy to do is the whole concept of if you've ever been sick, which we all have with something, and we've been in bed and we just feel so down, and the more we think, the more we kind of take ourselves down sometimes even more. And in recovery, they talk about it as stinking thinking. You know, it's kind of like when you get really negative. And one of the things that happens is that it's really hard to pull out of that. And when you utilize just very softly music in the background, it doesn't matter. It can be country western. It can be class, whatever you happen to like. Um, And... When you use that in the background, it kind of keeps your mind on a little bit higher level so you don't necessarily buy into all that thinking. I'm not saying it stops you from worrying completely, but it doesn't take you down a path that you might not want to go that's not going to help you for the greater good. True. That's true. And, that's good. and so one of one of the things your friends can do is they can make you a CD of music that they know that you like or that used to be the tunes you used to rock out on with them when you were younger. Um, and that's an awfully nice present for somebody to offer someone else. That's I think that's a great idea. And, and now with all these, you know, I've never been a fan of audiobooks, although I've now produced one. So, um, <laughs> which, by the way, is available on iTunes and Audibles. And I guess... I don't know how to get it off iTunes, but but it is available on audio or audibles through Amazon. But um, but having audio books, just something that's really positive and upbeat to just listen to when you're kind of sitting there. It, you know, when you have that distraction that, like you said, music or listening to a positive book, it kind of detracts. It's really hard to think about that and negative thoughts in your brain at the same time. So, you know, there's so many options for that that can help kind of pull that away. So if you're a fan of books like that, send some to your friend as a gift and let them, you know, kind of enjoy that with you. And then it gives you something to talk about, too. So sure, you could also do like a slideshow of the pictures that we spoke about before the break, too. And then you could have a little conversation whenever it was appropriate to be able to do that. So Perfect. So let's switch gears a little bit. And I would love to have you explain to our audience, what is the difference between complementary and alternative medicine? I'm so glad you're asking me this, because there is a very distinct difference. Um, Alternative means opposite of. It's It's a totally different way of looking at things. And when it comes to medicine, that's where a lot of people have made... Uh, poor decisions that have in some cases caused their uh, demise. Um, Steve Jobs was one of those people. He was so into alternative medicine that he wasn't able to look at some of the other things that might have enabled him to have more years of his life. Complementary means it goes with something else. Mm -hmm. And I am a firm believer that if you work with complementary practitioners, they will be the ones who will say, okay, we need to talk with your doctor. Let your doctor know that we're doing this work. I'm part of a team. Let's work together on your treatment, on your recovery, so that we can, nobody's going behind somebody else's back. Oh, this is weird stuff or whatever. There's a lot of a lot more documentation like on reflexology for side effects of chemotherapy. I any client that has cancer that I work with or any disease really, I really have them talk with their doctor about it, sign a release so that I can talk to their doctor if their doctor has any questions and I think that just builds on that relationship that's so very important. I think that's that's really great. Now, how does, um, you know, when we think about massage, we were talking a little bit about it earlier, but when somebody when somebody comes to you because they're battling cancer, is, is massage treatment for that person different than, you know, the guy that gets a gift from his wife for Valentine's Day, you know? To, oh, absolutely so. it is. And in some cases, it's not indicated at all. Um, there are some conditions within the cancer world that do not allow for massage to really happen. It doesn't mean that if you do touch a person in a stroking manner that something horrible is going to happen. But when it comes down to the whole benefits of massage, that's not necessarily the case. And in those cases is when I bring in more things like energy work. Um, and not to make energy work seem really woo-woo or anything like that. Everything is energy. Your computer has energy. Your chair has energy. 
Um, that's how things are made. And so by educating clients and their families about energy work, you also can help someone relax without even sometimes putting your hands on them. And those kinds of classes are really available a lot in community colleges, massage schools, um, sometimes body workers, which I use that term, body worker and massage therapist, kind of inter- interchangeably, um, uh, can really benefit both the people that are taking care of that person as well as the person who is ill. So is that, or, or when you talk about, you know, treatments where you you don't actually touch the patient, would that be like Reiki, for example? It would be like Reiki. It would be like polarity. It would, yes, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different energy works, but they all basically work about the same. And and it's, it's not to make it very, what I call woo-woo or anything like that, but if you just rub your hands together and then you slowly, you have to breathe though or it doesn't work, you roll it, rub your hands together for about 15 seconds and you pull them apart, you can feel like this energy field yes. there. And that's all energy is. You know, I, I have to say something to that because I know that I used to have, I have a way different feeling about Reiki now than I used to have um, before I ever experienced it. You know, I'm kind of one of those woo-woo people. It's like, oh, that sounds really fake to me. (laughs) And, you know, I just really didn't have an understanding of what it was. But when somebody explained to me, and then I actually went through the experience of Reiki, when somebody explained to me, you know, when somebody's standing really close to you, like peering over your shoulder, you can just feel their presence. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. And sure. so when I had Reiki for the first time, um, you know, I did it as a kind of an experiment. I was kind of dedicated to proving it didn't work. But what happened instead was <laughs> I actually felt this um, this heat of their hands and their hands weren't even touching me. And, you know, I, I think probably some are better at it than others, but but I could feel this heat and, and this caring and this, it almost felt like I just was being it, it kind of doused in compassion, you know. I right. the person the person doing this just made me feel like like I really mattered, and they wanted healing in my body in places that I didn't even realize I needed it, and and it was pretty it, it was pretty amazing, really. So I think before anybody thinks woo woo about it like I did, go give it a shot and just see what it's like because I think you might actually be kind of surprised, you know, that that it works that way. Right. But like everything else, it does have some precautions. And I'll just tell you this really brief incident. When I first went to the First AIDS Medicine Miracles Conference, we offered chair massage. I mean, we're talking for some people, it was short as five minutes. Um, And at the end of those three days, the next day after that, I couldn't get out of bed. I had taken on so much of everybody's energy because I hadn't taken that part of my class yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's how you guard yourself against that okay. or how you clear yourself. So when I went, the most important thing is I hope people will rub their hands together and feel stuff. But when you're done, if it's on a person, clap your hands three times because that'll break that energy cycle or run your hands in oh, cold okay. water. That's okay. super important because otherwise you'll get their headache. You'll get their diarrhea, that whatever they have which is not the outcome we're hoping for here. Yeah. You know, it just, just kind of reminds me of a, of another experience I had with equine therapy. I went to a retreat out here in, in Wilsonville, which is a suburb of Portland, and I went to an equine therapy retreat where, you know, where they have the horses. And there was a – it was really quite amazing, but part of the therapy was – kind of envisioning lifting the load, whatever it is you're carrying that's causing stress in your life, lifting that load and placing it on the back of the horse. Now, obviously, you're not really physically placing anything on the horse, but but kind of spiritually you are. And when I was done with that exercise, that horse, when he was done servicing me in that manner, he went, he left the pen where he was, he went out to the field, and if I hadn't seen this with my own eyes, I would not have believed it. That horse dropped to the ground, got on his back, and rubbed his back on the grass. Yeah. Like he was trying to shake this thing off of me. And I, in that process of this whole thing, that thing that was really bothering me kind of went away. And it was, but the horse took it from me. And I, again, woo-woo, right? But no. <laughs> so there are a lot of, of ways that, that things do 
you know, work. And there, there are a lot of, of not alternatives, but complementary. And I would never substitute any of that for the care that I'm being given right now. Let me ask you a question again, kind of continuing on this line of thought. Sure. You know, there are a lot of good practitioners out there, and there's probably some that aren't. How do you access a good practitioner? And is it covered by insurance? Okay, so first of all, most massage that I know of is not covered by insurance as such. Okay. So one of the things that people who want to support somebody versus flowers, which I really don't like as a present when people are ill, but, you know, they can get together and kind of group together and get gift certificates for massage for people because they aren't covered by insurance. Okay. So that's the first thing, generally speaking. Now, what about therapeutic massage where, um, like, I've I've had it specifically for uh, lymphedema. I've had it for... Um, what do you call it? Myo myofascial so, release. So, and that's that has been covered. Is that a different kind of process? That's that's more physical therapy than massage, right? Well, no, those are considered massage, but most insurance. It's really hard to tell because so many insurances don't cover it for anything, and then okay. some insurances will cover it for those kinds of things. But you have to go to a specific person. I okay. think some hospitals are starting to really realize, like um, the Providence Hospital here in Portland on Gleason Street has a whole breast cancer center, and they offer acupuncture and massage. Oh, okay. uh, but a lot of a lot of places do not, and sometimes people are too sick, and you want them to come home. I know that uh, that. Um, Kaiser has some uh, acupuncturists that'll come to your home, but that's not massage. So there, you know, it's kind of starting in a way. The most important message that I would like is that when you are ill, very ill on any level, it is making you prime to be taken advantage of. And I'm, Mm. I hate to say this, but there are people out there that are promising things that will never be able to happen. Because they know that this person will do anything to stay alive or to have their family members stay alive or whatever. And unfortunately, people take advantage of people. So there are two main professional organizations. Um, I belong to ABMP, which stands for Associated Body Work and Massage Professionals. There's also American Massage Therapy Association, which is known as AMTA. Both of those, if you go into their website, will give you people that, are, you know, you can put in, I want someone who's trained in cancer and breast cancer, however you want to phase it. Do you want a male? Do you want a female? And they will help you um, discern a couple of people that then I really would encourage you to interview. Also, a lot of doctors, I think, are building up resource lists of people that their patients have said, you know, I got massage from this person. This was so very helpful, da-da-da-da-da. So um, I think there's that avenue also. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, I just want to say also that reflexology, which is a form of massage, it's working with the nerve endings of your body, there's hand and foot reflexology, has been documented as extremely helpful for side effects of chemo. So um, even if you can't get a full body massage, but you're having some chemo issues, uh, maybe you can find somebody who does reflexology that has some training in, in, in working with people dealing with chemo that might be helpful to you. The okay. thing about foot reflexology, and you can't really, uh, as a member of the public, you can't really hurt somebody um, doing reflexology, but don't think you're an expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you you can cause them some more discomfort, and that's not what you're trying to do. But a general just foot massage, you can't go wrong. You know, my I've been kind of battling a little bit recently with uh, plantar fasciitis. I have no idea how I got that. It just hit me one day. I was out walking, and the next step I took hurt my heel, and it's been in pain ever since. But every night he's been rubbing my heel and my arch kind of area with this lotion, and... 
you know, he's not an expert at it, but it sure feels like he is. It's really, sure. it's really helpful. And so, yeah. And, and again, it's that importance of touch that you talked about, you know, in the first segment. And so are there other um, options if, you know, if the care that you want to get is not covered by insurance and it's unaffordable, what are some other options of, you know, well, I, I like the gift certificate idea if people ask, what can I do to help? Well, I'd, I really need some massage therapy, but I don't, my insurance won't cover it. I think that's a great, a great offer. Is there anything else that, that um, they can do? There's also, you know, you might, if somebody has a massage therapist, they might be willing to come and teach to, you know, six or eight people who are mm-hmm. caregiving for somebody, teach okay. them a workshop, you know, oh. on reflexology or on just general simple massage you don't have to know necessarily a lot about cancer massage Mm -hmm. to do that kind of general work you know laying in bed your neck gets tired and you know how to work with pillows and stuff to be able to adjust things so people don't you know get too soft from being in bed so long yeah I, I get that so if you do, okay, so I'm just going to ask you kind of a weird question, but if you do go in for some of these services and you're unhappy with the service you received, what do you, what should you do? Um, if it's a professional issue, like inappropriateness, or they didn't listen to you, first of all, I would get up. Don't lay on the table any minute longer than you, you know, than the, than the point of that happens. I mean, I have done that on a number of occasions because I don't, always tell people I'm a body worker when I go in because they get really nervous. So, but if someone is not doing good massage and you ask them, say, you know, you're really working deep on me. And if they make a comment like, well, no pain, no gain, then say, stop, just stop and get up, get dressed, tell them that this was not appropriate. Um, you're not listening to me. If the, if that conversation does not go well for you, um, where they should be refunding your money and apologizing, I would report them to the board. Wow. That's, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of times, you know, we, we think that the person who is kind of taking charge of us at that moment is the expert, but they're not God. They don't get to play that role. And I've, I've fired a few uh, professionals in my life. I, I tell the story about a doctor I went to when I was having some issues swallowing, and he said, oh, you cancer people are like that. And it's like, Ooh. what? I'm sorry, what? And he goes, yeah, you always assume the first thing is ca- it's cancer. And it's like, you know, I, I think we're done here. And I got up and I walked out. Right. I don't, I don't remember if I got a bill. <laughs> I really don't remember. But, but anyway, so on that note, we are going to take our, our a second break and we'll come back. We have some more to talk about. Um, and we're going to talk about introducing balance in the next segment. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about stress management, massage, and cancer with our guest, Jackie Gethner. And just before the break, um, there there's a topic that I wanted to ask her about, but we ran out of time, so now we're doing it here. Um, in a previous conversation that you and I had, Jackie, you talked about introducing balance during a potentially difficult time. And that, that was really important. Can you tell our audience what you mean by that? Well, there are times when things seem not great. Um, And we all have different scenarios of what that has been or could be for us. Mm -hmm. When that happens, like you were talking, Becky, in the beginning about your belief system and that you have chances and opportunities, and I think we all do. But there are some times when people get to a place where they're just done. And when they're done, other people don't understand that they, why why don't you want to fight? We can make this happen. We can make this happen. People also really know, I believe, in my experience, I've watched it, when it is their time. Yeah. And when it is their time, the greatest gift you can give them is to let them have that time. As painful as it is for you, think about what it's like for them, Yeah, you know, and just be quieter, just be more mindful, just be more present. This is where touch, you don't have to do anything. What, what we call it is holding the energy. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You just have to be there and hold their energy. Um You might do it by sitting next to them and putting your hand on them, or if it seems like they're uncomfortable with anything being, them being touched at all, you can just hold them with your intention. And just in your, in your mind, in your heart, you just keep loving them and you give them permission, which you can certainly do out loud too, to leave when they're ready that they will be all right, that their family, you know, and you call that out, you know, your husband will be fine, your your kids will be fine, we will continue your family tradition, you know, whatever is important, but things that can help a person realize that they're not leaving unfinished. Wow. You know, I, I'm, right now I'm dealing with two people in my life that I love very, very much, and um, they're both kind of in that potential place. One was injured in a car accident on Saturday that was so bad that he's been in ICU ever since. And now they're telling us it's not going well. And I'm hopeful that, that there will be a turnaround. Um, and the other one is a, is a cousin who's bat- been battling ovarian cancer forever and dropped by to see her the other day. And she's, she's bedridden. And it just... When you look at this, and that was really all I felt I could do was really just kind of sit there and, and stroke her arm. And my husband was knelt down by her and got really super close to her. And it's just heartbreaking when we see that. But, but it's not the time to just leave because these are people that you care about. And they, I do believe in my heart, honestly, Jackie, and maybe you can confirm this or not. But when you're in that place, I think that, that people do, even if they're seemingly in a coma or whatever I think they know that you're there and I think they can feel the touch and I think they sometimes can even hear the words what do you think about that oh I absolutely know that to be a fact I know that to be a fact even if someone is unconscious they can hear you they might not respond but they can hear you and the best thing you can do is what your husband did you get up really close and you whisper all those things in their ear and you just hold them yeah. You know, you hold their hand, you put your hand on their heart, whatever is appropriate for that. Um, I've gotten into bed with my friends that are dying and just mm-hmm. held them because that has been really the right thing for me to do. It is not for everybody, but it was the right thing for me to do. I also 
have one of the greatest friends that I've had for 30 years dying of fallopian tube cancer right now. And I had hoped to be able to go down there, but I can't afford to do that. So I'm doing all this energy stuff in the meantime while everybody else is surrounding her and doing what they can being there. But you don't leave. You can't leave. You can't leave. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's a really, it, it's a it's a tough time for a lot of people right now in both of their lives and in your friend's mm-hmm. life that's, that's dying right now. Um, but we can still be there for them. And, Absolutely. you know, I know sometimes we, we think, I, I want to kind of share a story that's a little bit connected to this, but I think it's really important. When I... One of the speeches that I gave early on in our career, in fact, I think it was one of the first ones we, that Sharon and I ever did together. We were at a conference out in um, Scappoose, Oregon, little tiny town outside of the Portland area. And we were talking about the importance of staying in touch with someone, you know, as long as they're able to communicate, to call, you know, call them by on the phone. If you can't be there in person, um, just call them and talk to them or send letters to them. And there was, we talked about, um, we were sharing that story about how important that is. And afterwards, one of the women that had been listening, and she was actually videoing the whole thing, she waited her turn to talk to me. And she came up afterwards and she said, you know, I had a friend who was dying in Hawaii. And she said, I couldn't go see her, but I called her often and I never felt like it was enough. And when I finally got the notice that she was gone, she said, I have had guilt all these years because I never went to see her. She goes, but for the first time, I feel relief from that guilt that the phone calls were enough. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we, you know, we do what we can do and we, and everyone can do something, you know. So I just, I wanted to share that because I think sometimes people think if they can't physically be there, then they aren't there. But there's other ways you, you can be involved and be connected. So I, I wanted to share that. So I know it's not quite the same, but it's it's pretty close. So Well, and I don't think people realize that when you go to visit someone who's ill and you go back to doing your life, mm-hmm. they're still there. Yeah. And they're yeah. thinking about, oh, she's going to go pick up her daughter from school. They're going to go shopping. And here I am. Yeah. yeah. So those things really are incredibly important incredibly important yeah you know that I think when I I remember going through this the first time it's I don't think anybody ever forgets but um, 23 years ago when I was experiencing cancer the first time my my greatest sadness honestly was thinking that I would die and the world would go on without me in it and nobody would care and nobody would notice and you know it's kind of like right, right when you're first sick you know when you first get sick Everybody comes out of the woodwork. They bring you meals. They drop by. They make phone calls. And then pretty soon they get back to their lives. And you're right. You are absolutely right, Jackie. They get back to their lives, and you're still dealing with it. And and you deal with it for a very, very long time. But but one of the things that someone did for me um, at one of my coworkers, she arranged for a group sign of all these cards that she went out and bought. She bought all these funny get well cards. And this was this was my team, my sales team at work. And she had everybody sign my cards and send me notice every week. About every other day, she dropped one in the mail. And it was from my team telling me that that they missed me and I needed to hurry back because, you know, and that just brought so much joy. That little tiny gesture brought so much joy to my heart to think that I'm not, that I will be missed if something, if this takes a turn for the worse. And, you know, so it's important. People just, and you don't always even have to call and say, how are you doing today? How's your, how's your cancer treatment going? Just calling and saying, hey, I was thinking about you today and you were on my mind. And I I think that those kinds of messages are so important to our, our healing, our spiritual healing, our well-being, and I could go on about this subject forever because it's it's so important and it played a major role and I think in the success I had with getting through cancer. And the other thing, Becky, is that cancer is not the only part of you. Yeah. I mean, it's only a part of you. Yeah. And when you call all the time and say, oh, how are you doing? How's the cancer? You keep bringing that up. If you yep. can call and say, so what's happening in your yard now that we've had a couple of days in nice weather? Yeah. Or have you been able to get the kids to blah, 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 blah? Or, yep. you know, it's it doesn't have to be focused on the illness because you're living with it all the time. Yeah. You know, yep. it's 
all the rest of life that you don't get to always participate in, and that's what you'd like to be more a part of. Exactly. And I had a friend, Patty, who would call me every Friday morning, and we'd both get out our newspapers, and we don't even have newspapers here anymore, I don't think, but we'd get out the newspapers and look and see what movie was playing. And that was the goal, was to go to a movie together. I never had to talk about my cancer battle what was going on she always left that up to me we just wanted to go be together find a funny movie we could laugh at and just enjoy each other's company without even having to talk if we didn't want to and she always left it up to me what the conversation sounded like and I appreciated her for that so much so there are many things that that we can do Um, before we run out of time here I wanted to ask you um about women of a certain age because I know that's something that you started. What is that? And I'm going to give you a couple minutes here. Sure, just very quickly. So in 2009, I was uh, awarded Kaiser's National Diversity Award for my work in HIV and AIDS. And with that, I got $10,000. And that was the year Viagra came out. Uh And I was totally appalled at the naivete of women of my age around the fact of believing men saying, oh, well, you can't get pregnant. I don't need to wear a condom. So when I also had men telling me they were doing community service by the fact that they could be with a number of women at one day because they were taking Viagra. So um, because that's all about HIV and and HIV of women over 50 Um, And I can't be sure of the current rates this year, but um, have been one of the fastest groups of people getting uh, HIV, but they're the smallest. You know, it's a small group of people, but they're getting a huge rate of HIV, not to mention STDs. So that became my passion was to try to educate women about that and about getting older and how they need to adapt to some of the situations that come up for them. There's a disappointment, and I've received two national awards for this and two local awards, including Multnomah County, which is a county here in Oregon's Public Health Hero Award. I couldn't get any funding for my project. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a peer education program just to get women to talk more with each other. So after 10 years, I am going to close this program. Oh, this fall. Um, I've never made a penny from it. It's been my volunteer job for 10 years, but I am going to take it to the non uh, to the private sector and other nonprofits around how to use um, things that I created out of this program to support their nonprofits. And one of those was a choose your own adventure book called Behind Door Number Three, Choose With Your Eyes Wide Open. Because we all have issues we don't deal with very well. We've maybe been incarcerated, we're in recovery, we've had herpes, whatever. And when you're going to become intimate with somebody, um, those are the things that kind of make or break whether we stay safe and healthy for ourselves. So, So these are workbooks. And again, this just unfortunately, women in Oregon all feel that they've got this Oregon air and they're never going to get old and they're never going to have these (laughs) issues. But I am going to be taking it nationally to help other agencies create these books to support their population and to get more information out to, to the general public about why these issues are so very important. Well, Jackie, we are out of time, and that sounds so exciting. If people want to learn more about that or get involved with you and helping you make that happen, how can they reach you? And I need it really quick. Just Google my name, which you'll see on the information that's with the program. That'll be the easiest way. All right, Jackie Gethner. So, Jackie, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. For all of our listeners out there and for those of you who are new, um, you can actually listen to us on pretty much every podcast um, out there. Just pull up your favorite podcast platform and search for Breast Friends Podcast. If you're listening to us now, you've probably already done that. But if not, do that, and then you can take us with you wherever you go. So um, with that, we are out of time. We will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope. And we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.